chapter 10, verse 1. We're in a series called Realignment as we go through the book of Acts. What does it mean to realign ourselves with what church is really supposed to look like and do? And I want to talk to you this morning about a word and a touch. A word and a touch. How Jesus makes me clean. A word and a touch. Uh, let's see if you remember some of these popular cleaning uh, slogans. I've got some cleaning supplies here. Some popular cleaning slogans. All right. Uh, Mr. Clean, he'll make your whole house and everything in it. That's clean, right. Uh, Mr. Clean, Mr. Clean. Remember that jingle from the, like the 90s? You're not fully clean unless you're zest fully clean. Yeah, remember that old commercial? You're not fully clean. Okay, I'm not going to sing it. Uh, Mama's got the magic of, anybody know this one? Clorox. Remember that? That was an old sh a show with the, like the, the ropes going to the backyard. You know, uh, Mama's got the magic of Clorox. And if it's got to be clean, it's got to be tied. Yes, yeah, some of y'all know tied. There you go. It's got to be clean. It's got to be tied. What is the best product? What's the best product to make the dirtiest thing clean in your house? Uh, I'm in love with the Mr. Clean. I'm not getting any money off this, but I'm like, I like the Mr. Clean magic erasers. That thing is magic. I don't know how it works, but man, it takes every crayon off of our church tables every week. I mean, that thing just works. I don't know how it works. You can put some on the drywall. You just wipe that magic eraser and it just goes away. I don't know what they do to it, but um, what's the dirtiest thing in your house that you would use to clean some? What was the cleanest thing, the cleanest product you'll use in your house? Uh, you know, in the last two years, uh, we have been a very cleaning-focused society. COVID-19, we have been Germex, disinfectant, Lysol. It's like deodorant. You're just using Lysol under your arms. Everything is Germex. Uh, we have been uh, obsessed with cleaning uh, in the last couple of years. And if you think COVID-19 quarantine and tracing was bad, you should have lived in ancient Judaism. Because clean and unclean is a huge biblical concept. So we're going to kind of get into that and talk to you a little bit about it today. Clean and unclean. Another way to say it in the Bible, if you're reading Old Testament sometimes, is uncommon and common. And it really means sacred or holy and worldly. What is clean and unclean? If you read the Old Testament, clean and unclean. You can't do anything unless it's clean, right? Clean and unclean. Common and sacred. Holy and and unholy. And here's why Leviticus 7 says, When anyone touches anything unclean, whether human uncleanliness or an unclean animal or an unclean detestable thing, and eats of the flesh of the sacrifice of peace offerings which belong to the Lord, that person should be cut off from his people. If you touch something unclean, what's the deal with cleanliness in the Bible? Remember that non-biblical phrase, cleanliness is next to Godliness, because that's not biblical, but it kind of has an idea. Why? What's the thing with clean? Cleanliness has to do with perfection. The perfect life, a perfect lamb without spot or wrinkle had to be acceptable for God. Because why? God is the epitome of perfect life. He's the epitome of perfection. God is clean. He is holy. There is nothing like him. And everything that comes into his presence can never be dirty. He can't be unclean. Everything that gives to God has to be clean. It's a symbol of perfect life. And anything unclean is separated for God. So God gave this law in the Old Testament to Israel. He said, 
Here's my illustration to you. I want you to know how holy I am, how clean I am, and how unclean you are. And here's all these 600 plus rules so you can understand how to get clean. How to get clean. There's two types of clean in the Bible. There's moral clean and ceremonial clean. Moral clean is like the inside stuff, washing on the inside of your oven. You know, it's like the internal cleanliness. You set it to clean, and like seven hours later, your house smells awful, and then your, your oven's clean, right? It's the internal stuff, right? That eternal stuff takes a lot of heat, and it's the moral cleanliness, like idolatry and sexual immorality, theft and murder and greed. And then there's outward ceremonial cleanliness like uh, dealing with like bodily discharges like blood and bile and oozy stuff right there's disease and in the Bible if you touched anything unclean you would be unclean even in fact if an unclean person sat on a couch and you sit on that couch this is where that COVID stuff comes into play we're learning if you sit on that couch you become unclean because you sit on the couch of an unclean person right I, if I, you come to my house, you know, I hope that, you know, like I have a dog, I'm very careful about, it. I don't want somebody to come to my house and having dog hair, you know, like we have that little robot vacuum thing that's awesome, you know, a little Roomba thing, it just goes around, you know, it's like, there, you don't want a trace of something, and that's the same in the Bible, anything or anyone who is unclean touched something, or someone made that, you know, if someone unclean touched something or someone, that thing or person became unclean. So there's this separation. And okay, here's, here's the South. So there's not even just the touching stuff. There's the eating stuff. You could eat like lamb chops and stuff like that. But in the Bible, you couldn't eat pig. Couldn't eat ostrich either, by the way. Not that that's a problem here. But that means no bacon. You couldn't have oysters. Sorry. All right. For those of you down South, we got a home resident here today. You couldn't have any crawfish. No more crawfish boils for us because we're becoming clean. No shrimp, no fried catfish. You can only have fish with scales. Everything. I mean, wouldn't that be, Louisiana would be a whole different country. I mean, it'd be, what in the world? It wouldn't even be the same state anymore, right? No, uh, no, no reptiles. Everything had to be a certain type of animal. No pulled pork. Come on. Uh, an unclean person had to remove everything unclean. You had to bathe in water, make a blood sacrifice so you could get in uh, shape with God. But here's the problem. What about things you couldn't do to separate yourself from? What if you had something in your life you couldn't fix? A disease you couldn't cure? Something on the inside you did that you could never undo? There was a level of hopelessness in the world. There's something, sometimes some things just can't be changed. You had a disease you couldn't cure. You were hopeless. You see, there's this level of hopelessness over a broken world. You had to remove the thing, but what if you couldn't remove it? It meant that uncured diseases meant you were hopeless. It meant if you were not a Jew who followed the law, you were hopeless. Let me give an example. What if I told you that this had only been used a few times? How many would let me touch your face with it? You know, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, if I said, I, I washed it in water. It's only been used a couple times. I washed it with, you know, soap. It's okay. Would you let me touch your face with it? No, you wouldn't. Okay, what if I said, you know, it's okay, but Lysol kills 99.9% of germs. How many would let me touch your face with it now? Right? No, you wouldn't. Why? Because there are some things, once they're dirty, I don't care how much Lysol you put on it, you're not touching my face with it. Yeah. There's some things, uncleanliness, it's just not going to ever get clean again because it's been used. It's forever dirty. 
Have you ever been in your life at a place where you've messed up so bad you wish God would just fix it for you? You've done things you can't undo, and there's no way, no matter how much things you do to help that situation, it'll never be undone. That's us. We're all dirty. We're all filthy rags. And there was no amount of work. There was no amount of self things we could ever do. There's no amount of Lysol in the world that we could put on our life to undo the dirtiness of sin. Some things, once they're dirty, are never clean again. Have you ever felt yourself overcome by a power greater than yourself? Have you ever made a mess too big you couldn't clean it up? Have you ever just wished God would clean your life for you? Have you ever felt unworthy for his forgiveness? You see, this world was hopelessly dirty. Not only the ceremonial, just don't touch, don't taste, but in our hearts. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's nothing we could do to remove ourselves from the uncleanliness of our hearts. We were hopeless to be holy, hopeless for salvation, hopeless for His presence. There was no blood sacrifice men could ever sacrifice to ever get us back to really where we needed to be with God until one day when the blood of Jesus came. And God's Son came to cleanse us from all sin. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. And how did He do that? How does Jesus take the dirtiest cases and make them clean? I'm telling you, with a word and with a touch. Ready? All right, look with me in Acts chapter 10, verse 1. Jesus can take the dirtiest cases, make them clean with just a word and with a touch. If you're in Acts chapter 10, verse 1, somebody say, Amen. Amen. All right, let's read this a little bit together. We're just going to kind of piece it out here. So there was a man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort. He was a devout man who feared God with all of his household, and he gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. So he's this Italian soldier. He's commanding about 100 troops. He's a Gentile, but he goes to Jewish synagogue, Jewish church, let's say. He prays. He fasts. He invites his family to follow him. He's a devout man. He's got respect of the Jews, but to a Jew, because he is not a Jew, he is unclean. He can never be, he's a reptile, he's a dog, he's a pig. I don't care what he does, that Lysol is never going to fix him. That's what he is. So he's praying. And then one day the Bible says he sees an angel comes and says, Cornelius, your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. God's heard your, your cry. So send some men to go find this guy named Simon Peter in Joppa and bring him back to you. So he takes the soldier, sends a couple servants. They go. And about that time, Peter is praying too. They're making lunch downstairs. And the Roma overtakes him. He has a vision. In this vision, he sees clean and unclean animals like in this tent and this sheet come down. Three times it happens, and the Bible says, Peter, take, kill, and eat. And he's like, no, God, I don't do with dirty stuff. I don't kill uncleanly. I've never done anything, Lord, that you said was unclean. I've never taken that in. He says, yeah, but don't call unclean what God calls clean. Whatever God's done, you just do what God does. And he, three times he says this, I don't understand it. Peter's really strict on kosher. He, he's got many traditions in his life. Many of these traditions were not in the Bible. They were added to. And on top of all that, Jews really hated Gentiles. And, and now Peter's seeing something where he's like, what's going on? We just saw the Samaritans, these half-Jews, got the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Peter, he's kind of like, okay, well, maybe when the Bible says 
go into all nations and preach the gospel. He's talking about to all the Jews of all nations. And the early church didn't get this. They thought all nations meant all the Jews and all the nations. They were only thought salvation could come to the Jews because these cases were hopeless people. So hopeless. You ever met somebody you thought was hopeless before? He says they were hopeless. So he's like, what are you doing, God? How are these people coming in? About that time, the Spirit says, Peter, three men are coming at your door. The knock happens. And he's like, okay. They say, hey, we're here to get you. A guy named Cornelius wants you to come. The next day, Acts chapter 10, look in verse 27. He says, as he talked with them, he entered and found many people assembled in Cornelius' house. And Peter says to them, you yourself know, it's an unlawful thing for a man who is a Jew to be in a foreigner's house and visit him. And yet God has shown me, here it is, that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. Now, it really wasn't against the law for Peter to be there, but his own prejudice had blinded him. His own prejudice of what he thought God could do, how far gone some people were. And so he didn't know this, but he was given the keys to the kingdom, and God's about to open up the door to all nations. In verse 34, it says, And opened his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. I'll say it again. Every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. And then Peter, like any good Pentecostal pastor, just began to preach the gospel without script. He just began to preach Jesus and him crucified. He began to preach Jesus is Lord. He's God of all nations. There's peace with God through Jesus Christ. That Jesus was born of a virgin. He died on the cross. He was buried. On the third day, he got up. He ascended to heaven. He's coming back down to judge the living and the dead. And you better get ready. That's the gospel. And he just began to lay it out there. And as just about, he's about to say, and there's forgiveness of sins. I think he was about to say, and the promise of the Holy Spirit. As soon as he didn't even get to finish the punchline of his Pentecostal message, listen what happens. Verse 44. And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who were listening to the message. Oh, wouldn't that be a great service? And the uncircumcised and the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on these unclean dog pig reptiles called Gentiles. Even though they weren't worthy, they weren't clean, they were like that toilet wand over there. But God poured out his Holy Spirit and they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. And Peter answered, he says, surely no one can refuse water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, can he? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus, and they asked him to stay on for a few days. What happened? These Gentiles received Pentecost just like the Jews did in Acts chapter 2, just like the Samaritans did. And what is God saying? God counted them worthy. He said, there's no way. Of course, God has fully accepted these dogs of a people. Who who is to argue now? They didn't go to church. They didn't pay their tithe. They didn't get baptized in water. You know, they didn't change their dress code. They didn't get circumcised. They didn't do all this other stuff. But if they got the Holy Spirit, guess what? They must be clean. They must be holy. They must just be the same as us because God can't dwell in anything unclean. Unclean things can't come into God. So what is it saying? If that person got the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues and prophecy, what in the world? What did Jesus just do? 
God took what was common and made it clean. You see, Cornelius was common. That means he was of the world. And it was only God who could make him clean. You ever pre-wash your dishes? How many people are pre-washers? You're going to wash. Yeah, look at all these pre-washers out here. Pre-wash your dishes before you put them in the dishwasher. Why do you do that? Because you know the dishwasher doesn't do a good enough job. Just be honest. Y'all hadn't, can't afford that Maytag or something. I don't know. Like, you, you ain't got the fancy one that talks back to you, you know, shows you a picture of what's on the inside. Why? We, we have to help it out a little bit to get it really clean. I think that's what a lot of churchgoers are doing today. It's like we're helping God out because he can't do a good enough job. We've got to, like, change our dress code, you know, change our hairstyle, uh, you know, make rules on what we watch on TV, where we go, how much we drink or don't drink, what TV shows we can, and uh, how many tattoos we can have, and who's smoking or non-smoking. We have all these things that we package into what Christianity ought to look like because we think we need to help God out, that he's got, you know, he'll do the inside stuff, but you've got to do the outside stuff, right? Like, God can do that, but he still needs Lysol from us. Right? He still needs us a little bit of help, the holy. And so we add these things. And here's what I think. I think a lot of people are stuck on pre-wash because they've never really let God do the real deal. But when God does the real deal, honey, you don't have to pre-wash your dishes anymore. They're clean enough like he does it. Right? It's, it's inside work. And that's what God begins to do. So when does your holiness begin? Jews felt like, well, we've got to do all these extra works so we can qualify that we've got real faith. They didn't realize, though, but all those rules they were adding was making them judgy, was making them prejudiced. Well, they didn't really look like a Christian. They didn't really smell like a Christian. They didn't really act like a Christian. I don't know if they're really a Christian or not. Well, what are you doing? Who are you? And he says, look, the thing about this. Today we might believe we need to start living better before we can go to church. I've heard people say this. If I can just stop doing drugs, I'll come to your church. Well, that's not how that works, right? They say, we don't quit our addictions and our bad behaviors first before we come to church. Or maybe we get in church, we feel like, well, we need to have a certain dress code to come in here. I'm not really comfortable with those, you know, going to our church who cohabitate or drink or smoke. Maybe we've written off liberal Democrats in our life. Maybe we've written off homosexuals in our life. Maybe we've written off felons and addicts and say, well, those people over there, God's got to really, really work on those people. They need an extra, you know, second cycle, right? Twice over. Put them back in the dishwasher. But what are we about removing the stain? Jesus said, what makes us unclean is what begins in the heart. He says it's evil thoughts, fornication, thefts, murders, adulteries, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. And he says these things are on the inside even of religious people. Those things are on the inside even of church-going people. Because I don't care how much Lysol you put on this thing, it's still dirty unless somebody gives me a brand new one. You understand? It doesn't matter how much you do to clean yourself up, you'll never be clean before God unless God does something new in your life. And so unless He makes you a new person on the inside. How do you remove the stain of something like that? Colossians chapter 2, verse 23 says, Even self-made religion like being harsh on your body, has never conquered the flesh. All the religious stuff in the world has never worked. I don't care how many rules you put in your life and how many barriers and walls, and those are great things. Don't go do certain things. Keep yourself from the appearance of evil. Those are all good commands, but that's not what makes you clean. That might keep you clean. That's not what makes you clean. Cornelius was an Italian. So how do you remove spaghetti sauce? That's where I'm going, okay? 
He's an Italian. I got to thinking, I got spaghetti sauce. So I looked up, it's a true story. I looked up Tide. I don't have any Tide in here. Tide. I looked up Tide's website, how to remove spaghetti sauce from your shirt. You know, it's uh, pretty simple. Uh, they say on their website, spaghetti sauce, rinse it on the inside, you know, from the, out, from the inside, pour water through it, then put Tide directly on it, scrub it with a toothbrush for five minutes, put it in the, in, the, in the wash, right? Of course, use Tide, don't use anything else. Use Tide, put it in there, and when it gets out, if it's still not clean, put it back in, do it over again till it's done. Now, then I got to thinking about, what about gravy? This is the South, right? What about gravy and cocktail sauce and ketchup and all this? Guess what? They have all these different, you know, websites for this. Guess what the solution is for every single one? It's the same thing. It don't matter. Let me tell you something. It don't matter what the stain is. Jesus still works the same. It doesn't matter what your sin is. Jesus' solution is still the same. It's a word in a touch. It's a word in a touch. It doesn't matter. Jesus works for every case the same. How does it work? Listen to me. Cornelius was common. And the Bible says that Christ became common. John says the word of God became flesh. And I don't think you understand what that means. That God became man and he walked among us. That God was willing to be dirty for us. That God had to come to where we were and get in the toilet bowl of sin and take it on for me. Paul says that he was rich, but for our grace he became poor. So that you being poor might be rich. That he was willing to bear our sins and our sorrows and get him nailed to a cross and take our sin and our shame and despise it for a joy set before him. He was willing to become common. That holy, perfect, pure being said, I'll get down on their level. How could it happen? How could it be that God could do something so much for me that he emptied himself became a servant of man, took the form of a man, humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, Paul says, even death on a cross. God will clean any case. He says, there's a word in a touch. Number one is the word. Believe the word. Believe the word. You see, there was another centurion before Cornelius in the Bible, Matthew chapter 8. Jesus was... Uh, in Capernaum, the centurion sent a servant ahead of him, and the centurion came and said, hey, I need this servant of mine healed. My servant's sick. He's dying. He's paralyzed. And Jesus says, okay, I'll come to your house, and I'll heal him. He says, no, no, no. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy for someone clean like you to come to my dirt. He knew that a clean man couldn't come into the dirty house of a Gentile because it would make him unclean. He says, no, no, no. Don't, don't come into my house. You can't come. You're clean. I'm dirty. I know who I am. I know I'm not worthy for a man like you to come into my house. He says, but I know you're a man of authority. I believe your word. And if you just speak a word, if you just speak a word, my servant will be healed. And Jesus marveled, the Bible says, at his faith. He says, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. He says, surely in the kingdom of God, there's going to be people from every nation who have faith like this. They're going to come and eat with God up in paradise in the kingdom of heaven. People like this, with faith like this, he says, I'm willing. He says, go home, your servant's healed. 
Go home, your servants healed. You see, he believed a word. It was faith in who Jesus is. And like that, that centurion, Cornelius is another centurion. He says, I believe the word of God. If he didn't, he, why was he doing this? He was desperate. He was desperately asking himself, I'm leaving my pagan religion. I'm leaving the, the gods of my ancestors. I'm leading my family in this direction. I'm showing up at synagogue every day, sitting in the back of the room like a dog and an outcast. I'm praying to this God, but I've never met him. I'm reading his word. I'm even given to Jewish charity and everybody's making fun of me and all my Italian regiment. They don't understand. How can you leave the gods of our ancestors and the gods of the Roman army? How can you turn your back on the emperor? He says, but I know there's something true about the things I hear when I show up there. There's something drawing me to this. I'm a God seeker. And the Bible says he was a man who feared God. He wanted to know, how can I get this God? Is that your heart and my heart? Man, it's so easy for us who grew up in church, grew up in this, the Bible Belt of the South, it's just kind of like, well, this is church. Put on a suit and tie, go there, pay some stuff in the offering. The pastor don't bother you so much. You know, show up every now and then and they keep your name on the roster and, and you'll be good, be a good moral person. But am I a God seeker? Man, just to desperately want him in my life. How can I get this God? You see, he prayed in faith, he gave in faith, he sent in faith men for Peter just to hear a word, just to hear a word. By faith, he had his whole family gathered, waiting. He bowed down when Peter walked in the door, he just give us a word. Just tell us a word from God. That's why we're all here. My whole family, I've gathered them in faith, knowing if you just preach to me the word, something powerful is going to happen. Just the word to come into my heart, into my family is going to change us forever. It's going to be the thing I've always wanted. Just if I can get a word from God. Have you ever felt like you just needed a word from God? Just something to satisfy your weary soul. Just something to just make you feel like God's real in your life again. Sometimes we just go to church. We just go through the motions. We just... It's a thing, it's just religious, it's just adding light salt to our life, but there's something about when you hear a word from God. Something about when the word comes, where he says, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they'll be satisfied. You see, when you hunger for the word, if you believe in the word, you'll receive something even better than you ever thought possible. I love what Warren Wiersbe says, he says, where there's a searching heart, God always responds. Where there's a searching heart, God always responds. Number one, he believed the word. Number two, he received the touch. Do you remember um, how you felt, for those of us who got COVID early, do you remember how you felt when you like, got COVID uh, for the first time and you had to go back in your life and tell all the people that you accidentally exposed? Like, and you feel like a leper? You know, like, hey, I just wanted you to know I got COVID. You might have been exposed. Just want you to know, yes, I'm sorry. You have to miss work for two weeks too. Click. You know, next one, I am sorry. You might have been exposed. You know, and then you felt like, oh, this is awful, right? Some of us just didn't tell people because we were too embarrassed. You know, uh, you, you, you're just like, I feel like a leper. I feel like an outcast. It's like, don't touch me. You know, the lepers in the Bible, what they had to do, they had to walk through the streets shouting, unclean, unclean, unclean. Can you imagine living with that your entire life? Because if anybody touched you, they would become unclean. And it was a law that said if you were walking through the streets, you had to shout your uncleanliness. Can you imagine the, not only the physical issues that would cause you, but the emotional, spiritual issues? 
that you were so hopeless, no one could cure you. For the rest of your life, there was no hope for any relationship, any job. No one could sit where you sit, walk where you walk, touch what you touch. And everything you touched became unclean like you. That's our sin. I think about this touching of the unclean. There's in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus was walking through the street and a leper actually came to Jesus. The most clean person in the world. He bows down at Jesus' feet and he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. You see, he believed the word. You see, perfect, holy, perfectly clean Jesus, he stretched out his hand and he touched him. And he says, I am willing, be clean. I want you to think about that in that moment. What really was happening? What really was happening? How is it that, that everyone else, when, when an unclean person touches something, that person becomes unclean? Well, in that moment, here is Jesus in great love and compassion, knowing what he's come from the Father to do. He says, I am willing. I just took this toilet brush and went to you, and none of y'all said you are willing. Let that thing touch your face. And Jesus says, I am willing. And he touched him. He touched him. And in that moment, here's what I believe happened. The uncleanliness of that man came off on Jesus. Every person, the Bible says that Jesus was always willing to the woman with the issue of blood as he walked through the street. She pressed through the crowd. She touched him. Power flowed through him, made her clean. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you whole. As he was going through the streets, multiple places in the gospel says, and power was coming from out of him in healing them all. All kinds and manners of people where the Pharisees were running away. Jesus was walking into the midst of them and people began touching him and touching him and touching him. Him and touching him. And the Bible says he healed them all. He healed them all. He was taking on every ungodly, every filthy, every dirty thing. He just began taking it on himself until the day on Calvary. Well, he nailed it to that cross. He nailed every sin past, present, and future. He took it on himself. You see, he was able to take on our iniquities and bear our shame, and the chastisement of our peace fell upon him, and by his stripes, we became healed. What kind of a God? What kind of a man? He believed the word. He received a touch. And that same day when Cornelius was there, and he heard that same word of Jesus, he received a touch from God. And that touch for that dog, that pig, that snake of a man, according to all the religious rules, despite all of his righteous devotion, despite all of his prayers that were never enough, despite all of his giving that was never enough, despite all of his church attendance, it was never enough. But when he believed the word of God, he received a touch. And not just any touch, but the same touch that touched Peter and the first apostles on the day of Acts chapter 2 in Pentecost. That same Holy Spirit baptism came on his life and he knew, I am good enough. I'm clean. Let me tell you something. You never get more holy than when you get saved. There's nothing you can ever do to outdo what God's done in your life. If you were to die today and the moment you got saved, you are holy enough to go into heaven into God's glorious presence. There's nothing you could ever do to add to what God's done. But let me tell you something. You've got to get off a pre-wash. 
You got to get off of the self-works of righteousness that makes us boast in ourselves, and get onto something that makes you gravel on the floor and say, Lord, I know I'm not worthy for you to come to my heart and to my life, but Lord, I know with a word, if you just touch me, you can make me clean. I'm longing today for a touch from God. Man, just a touch. There's nothing like when you touch God. There's no, no place in your heart that can't be undone or fixed with a touch from God. I don't care what someone's done to you in your past, how many times you've written hot checks or stole grandma's jewelry. I don't care how many people you've slandered, what you've done in your life that is so bad and so un, unholy, ungodly, things he can heal you with a touch. Just a single touch from God's presence. That's how powerful that power that flowed through him and healed them all can touch you right here today. That same God is alive and he's still here. Just a touch. That's what we believe. And if you want to stay on pre-wash, fine. I want the real deal. I want the real touch from God. I don't want to show. I don't want to just go to church and hear some religious stuff. I want to touch God. And if you just believe the word, you receive it by grace, he'll touch you. Would you stand with me this morning? You see, we're all hopelessly dirty but Jesus is willing to touch your life right here, right now, today. He says, if you'll only believe, you can receive. If you just believe, it's not about you being good enough. He's worthy. He's worthy and he's willing to touch your life right here, right now. Churchgoer, I don't care if everything is going great in your life. You still need a touch from God. We still need a touch from God. If you feel outcast and you think your life is too much of a mess, there's no mess too big for Jesus. It's the same thing he'll do for someone else he'll do for you. He doesn't care. He's no respecter of person. Peter says he's willing if you're willing to come. He's willing to touch your life. He's willing to make you whole, make you clean. He can take that mental thing that's going on in your life. He can take that depression. He can take that, those evil thoughts. He can take all that shame. He can take all that guilt. And with a single touch, he can make you clean. He can make you holy. He can adopt you as his own child. I'm just going to ask every saint of God, we just begin to just seek the word. Let's just begin to confess the word back to him. We just begin to worship Jesus. Just get our, let's just in the moment, let's just get all of our affections on him. Can you just thank God that he's touched your life before? Can you just begin to praise him for how he has taken your life that was once dirty, made you new, made you holy, made you clean? He said, you're my son, you're my daughter.